Welcome to the Double Team Podcast. This is our first show. I'm your host, Britton Webster, and with me is my co-host, Jacob Young. Uh, we're huge NBA fans and huge sports fans in general. And today we're just going to talk about some things uh, going around in the NBA. Uh, first off, free agent signees with the most approved. Uh, so, Jacob, we'll start with you. Which free agent or free agents do you think have the most approved? Well, for me, the top guy uh, with the most approved is Grizzlies point guard Mike Conley, who this offseason signed a five-year deal that will make him that will make him the highest-paid player in the history of the sport. And while Mike Conley is he's an elite point guard in the league, well, he's borderline elite point guard in the league. He does everything well. He's probably the best player on that on the Grizzlies team. But he's, he's not the highest-paid player in history. That's LeBron James. That should be somebody on that caliber. Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. It's not Mike Conley. And I get that the caps rising up and the deals are always changing. But when you are coming off an offseason where you sign the biggest deal in the history of the NBA, you've got to have a huge year right after. And I think Mike Conley's going to be under a lot of pressure this season. Yeah, I don't know if it's completely fair to Mike Conley that he was the – for really the guy with the biggest contract in this year where the cap just went up, like skyrocketed. So, I mean, but he's going to have to deal with some of that pressure that's going to come with that. A lot of people uh, realize now that Mike Conley, oh, he got the biggest deal in the league. I mean, I feel like it may not be completely fair to him, but... I mean, that's the way that it is right now. And I think he does have to have a pretty big year. The first guy I have on my list is Harrison Barnes. And the Mavs signed him for a max deal. But the thing is, he really did not shine at the end of the year last year. His last three games in the finals, he scored two points total in game five and game six. And in game seven, really didn't do much either. Uh, I don't feel like that should you should hold... The three games against him for what he did for the whole season uh but uh, i don't really know if he's worth a max deal even then i mean he played with the best team in the league he was a pretty good player all right shooter at most of the time uh could play all right defense but is that really worth a max deal in today's day and age i don't really think so we'll see uh I think with the Mavs are expecting him to take on a bigger role. And uh, I guess we'll see if he's ready to do that. Uh, again, I don't I don't think he's really worth the max deal. But uh, and really, uh, I don't think that you can like judge him based on like two games. I, I don't think that he should have a like a five million dollar deal a year. But he, he definitely, I don't think, deserves a max deal. Next guy on my list is uh, Timothy Mozgov. And he's on here for an obvious reason. The Lakers paid him huge money uh, to come to the Lakers. And the thing is, he's really just an average NBA center at best. I mean, you look at him, and he's seven foot tall, I guess. Uh, he got, he was a starter for the Cavs last year, but... Since then, he's taken on role minutes. Uh, Tristan Thompson has kind of risen above him in 
gotten really a starting position for him. But for some reason, the Lakers chose to give him this much money. Uh, I don't really see why. Uh, I guess the Lakers did need a big man. But when you look at how the Pacers got Al Jefferson for $10 million, uh a year, I, I really don't understand why they did this. Lastly, I have Joakim Noah. And he's on here for a similar reason. He also got huge money to go to the Knicks. And he really was an elite player probably a couple of years ago. Uh, defensively, probably top three player in the league. Uh, but recently, uh, he he hasn't even really been able to score a layup. Uh, I, I don't think he really needs to be a huge scoring option for the Knicks. But he does need to improve offensively if he wants to really contribute like he needs to. Uh, I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money. He needs to be able to play a little more than defense if he wants to be uh, considered a success for the Knicks. Uh, and Jacob, do you want to give your other players now? All right, I got two more on my list. The first, the second guy, I already said Mike Conley. Second guy is Bradley Beal, who signed a five-year. Um, I think it was $130 million, something like that, with the Wizards. And, well, the Wizards were completely justified in giving him that money because he's a young, up-and-coming player. They want to keep that John Wall, Bradley Beal combination in the backcourt together. But Beal just hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. He's had a lot of injury concerns. He um, misses a lot of time. And while I think he can maybe overcome that now that he's um, entering his prime and he's not a kid anymore... I just think when you get that much money and you haven't been able to stay on the floor, I think that can just um, put a lot of pressure on you. And, um, you need to prove that you can stay healthy for the fan base to consider the signing a win. And then my last guy is uh, Dwight Howard, who signed a three-year deal with the Hawks to go back to his hometown where he played high school ball before getting drafted. And while Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard was one of the best players in the league, as you know, just a few years ago, but then after he forced his way out of Orlando, got to L.A., which was a horrible situation, and then to Houston where they didn't use him, right, because they were a team that was focused only on shooting threes, I think that Dwight could return to a bit of his former self in Orlando, but after two bad stops and like three years of um, below-average play for what we expect from him, I think this is kind of a make-or-break season for his career. He can either turn it around and um, become the or close to the dominant player he was, or he loses that excuse of they were bad situations. I just need a new change of scenery because if you can't get it done now, it's it's he's a lost cause in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with the Dwight Howard thing. I mean, he was so dominant with the Magic, and then it seems like he went to the Lakers and then just got soft. It seems like uh, I feel like up until now he might have had some excuses. Uh, valid ones possibly uh not being in the right place for him but if i think if you can't do it in your hometown i mean where will you be able to do it so i feel like exactly. you're right this is dwight howard's really i i feel like this is probably his last year his last chance that people are going to give him to prove himself again moving on we'll talk about uh the boston celtics who that's my favorite team and seems like Every week, we had the Celtics linked to another superstar. This week, it was Russell Westbrook. 
before that, it was Blake Griffin. Prior to that, we saw Jimmy Butler and DeMarcus Cousins rumors. Kevin Durant and free agency. <clears throat> the Celtics are always connected to some big-name player in the offseason or around the trade deadline. And they always we always see reports with quotes about serious discussion and um, nearing a, agreement, but the Celtics never seem to be able to get anybody. This year they signed Al Horford. That was the first big free agent they'd ever signed since Dominique Wilkins, who wasn't even good when they signed him back in the day. But it just seems like the Celtics, despite being in talks all the time and being linked to players all the time, they can just never seem to get a deal done. Yeah, and uh, the thing is that they did sign Al Horford this year, but even at that, not like the elite caliber player. that They still haven't gotten that elite caliber player that they always seem to be, like there always seems to be talks about Possibly, like you said, KD possibly going there. Or this week, it was like Russell and Blake Griffin maybe going there. But, I mean, it just never seems to happen that those huge, huge players go to the Celtics. And it's surprising to me, honestly, considering that all the tradition that the Celtics have with Bill Russell and then you have Larry Bird and then recently with the big three, KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce – it's surprising to me how not a single one of those big guys wants to go to Boston. And it really says a lot about their mindset. It's They don't really care a whole lot about the tradition of a place. They care about wanting to go somewhere where they can win. And I feel like uh, Boston is up on a lot of those guys' lists as a place to possibly win or they, they do like the tradition, but they always seem to be the third one on the list or the fourth one on the list of places uh, that the superstars want to go to. It always seems like maybe uh, like with KD, he had the Warriors and the Thunder and the Spurs and then the Celtics. It was never the number one priority. And uh, it's kind of sad to see because... Boston uh, is always a huge team in the league. And so, uh, I mean, I know you're a Celtics fan, Jacob. What, what are your thoughts on it? Well, like you said, we're, we're, not, we're not the number one team on anybody's list. Like, we don't have the appeal of an L.A. or a New York or <clears throat> Miami. And at the same time, like players, if you have superstars in your rosters, players will come. But we don't have the appeal of the city and we don't have the superstars to attract them but the hope the trade market is a completely different discussion because it seems like the celtics have the assets to make moves but it, it always seems like at the last minute danny ains the celtics general manager just doesn't want to pull the trigger i mean back in 2008 or 2007 actually when they acquired um, ray allen on draft night and got kevin garnett they got absolute steals in those deals part of that was because Ray Allen, the uh, Supersonics had just gotten Kevin Durant and they were trying to get Ray Allen out of Seattle so that Kevin Durant could take over the team and um, be the face of the franchise. And so they were practically begging uh, teams to take him. And then um, with Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge's former teammate working in Minnesota, they got a really good price on Kevin Garnett. And it just seems like that Ainge is always looking for that opportunity where he can 
clearly win the deal. And sometimes that's not out there. You, sometimes you actually have to give up assets to get a superstar player. And he just doesn't seem to be able to pull the trigger. That's why they're always talking to teams, but never getting a deal because uh, Danny Ainge just doesn't want to part with what's necessary to uh, bring the star, ta- star talent here. Yeah. And uh, so let's move on to our next question. Uh, will the NBA ever make rules to stop super teams? And uh, so what do you think? Obviously, I'd want to see that happen because I'm, I don't like, I know some people, they like all the stars playing together and they like the alley-oops and they like all the scoring, but I love competitive balance. I love going into the playoffs, like in the NFL. In the NFL, when the playoffs start, every, almost every single team in the field has a chance to win the Super Bowl. In the NBA, it's, it's nothing like that because of all the super teams. So I'd like to see that happen, but I just I don't know what they could do to stop it. Yeah, well, I I don't really see uh, NBA super teams being stopped anytime soon. I mean, a lot of people have uh, brought up the fact that super teams are ruining the league and stuff like that in recent years. But, I mean, you look at it and... Uh, I mean, the Warriors this year just got a super team. And then you had the Heat with LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. And a lot of people say that that was the first real super team. But you look before then, I mean, the Celtics had KG, That was the first Allen, super team. I'm really, Paul Pierce. I love I mean, yeah. that team, but we started the super team era. I would, I would really, I mean, I would really be uh, inclined to say that uh, the super teams even started before then with, uh, I mean, you're talking about like Chicago having uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and then they get one of the best defenders in the league, Dennis Rodman. And they just like put all these pieces around it. And the thing is, uh, good teams, uh, well, they'll, the ones that want to win championships will put the pieces around their superstars and I mean, people can say that those uh, are super teams, but really, they're trying to win titles, and that's really what it comes down to well, in the league. Here's my thing. Like, if superstars want to go play with other good players, or like if a team like the Lakers with um, D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, those guys turn to stars, and they dominate the league for years, like, more power to them. They built the team. But when guys like Kevin Durant, just join the best team in the league just to win. Like it, it kind of gets sad at a point, and it's almost like there's no point in watching the NBA because we know who's going to win the finals this year. There's really there's a line, and uh, I think Kevin Durant definitely crossed that line when you go to a team that uh, just beat you the year before in seven games when you were up three one and you choked away uh, the series. I mean, and a lot of that falls on your shoulders, and uh, you then you leave that team to go to the team that just beat you, the seventy-three and nine team, the best regular season team of all time. Uh, I think that that is there's a difference between making a team to try to win a championship and just not even trying to be competitive at all to win a title. And I did lose some respect for Kevin Durant whenever he did that. My thing is, if you're like like LeBron with the Heat, if you all come together to build something, I don't have a problem with it. But when star players just jump on a bandwagon, that's that's the line for me. Yeah, and uh, I 
I, I really I agree with that uh, part, and I feel like this Warriors team is really I can't think of another team in the past where uh, I a really really talented team at a team that had one of the best records in the league of all time. Uh, then the very next year got uh, a top five player in the league. I I can't seem to remember a time with that happening. I I do remember someone saying that it would be like if Shaq from the Magic had gone to the Bulls instead of joining the uh, Lakers. And I feel like that's pretty that's pretty accurate when you think about it. Yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, was Ben Simmons the right choice for the number one pick? I don't. I don't think he was. Honestly, I mean, I get why they picked him, but I don't see how people compare that guy to LeBron James. I mean, Ben Simmons. You watch him in the summer league, and he doesn't even look to score. He's not aggressive at all. He's, in my opinion, he's a six foot ten Rajon Rondo. He doesn't care about scoring. He wants to hold the ball. He wants to get his assist stats. And he, he wants to pad the numbers, and doesn't matter if he wins or loses. I mean, I'm sure he wants to win, but he's concerned about his assist numbers, his rebound numbers. And I just, I don't think, I think he's way overhyped for a guy that doesn't have the ability to score and let alone doesn't even care about doing so. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that uh, Brandon Ingram really would have been the better choice at number one, because I feel like the 76ers seem to get get top a top three pick like every year and they'll get a guy and their team really won't change and I feel like Brandon Ingram would have been possibly what they needed to kind of get out of that rut and honestly I don't know if the 76ers want to get out of that rut at this point it seems like they try to tank every year and so the thing is uh I think that Brandon Ingram definitely could have been they're the number one scoring option on that team that they really needed. But uh, they go with Simmons, who's not a bad player, in my opinion. But I don't think it's what the 76ers need right now. And I don't really buy into all this hype that Ben Simmons is getting, that he's the next LeBron James or something. I just don't see it right now from him. I think when you look at the comparisons, with Ingram being Kev- compared to Kevin Durant and Simmons being car- compared to LeBron, I think... Ingram could very well be Durant, but Simmons has no chance of being LeBron. Yeah, uh, Simmons, I don't think, has the the scoring uh, that LeBron did. I mean, he's got the passing, and but if you look at it, and there's he, he just isn't the all-around player that LeBron is. All right, so the next question is, uh, the next topic is, uh, Blake Griffin, is he worth the asking price? Okay. This is an interesting story to me because obviously Blake Griffin is an elite player and obviously it's going to take a lot to get him on your team. But last year, we'll, we'll start with this. Last year, in case you didn't know, Blake Griffin punched a team assistant at a dinner. He just he punched him in the face, broke his hand, and he was out, <laughs> he was out for like eight weeks or something like that. And yep. that's an issue in itself, that character issue. But second of all, when Blake Griffin wasn't on the floor – the Clippers had a better record, had better numbers when Blake Griffin was away from the team than when he came back and when they had him before. And those two things, the character issues off the court and the fact that they were better without him, I think that 
the price that you that they're reportedly looking at is way higher than what he's worth at this point. He needs a, a year to prove himself again before I'd be willing to pay that superstar price for him. Yeah, I feel like maybe a year could have gotten uh, like a really huge deal for a guy like Blake Griffin. But you look at him and he was injured. He's got problems off the court that um, arise last season. And uh, really, whenever he was on the court, his numbers weren't as good as they really were in the past. And the Clippers as a team uh, really didn't skip a beat when Blake Griffin was gone. Uh, I mean, uh, they still had a really great record, still finished fourth in the West. Uh, And I feel like they really, at a certain point, not didn't need Blake Griffin, but he wasn't as uh, huge to the team as probably a lot of people thought he was. The last topic that we're going to talk about before we go to break and uh, we'll do the Q&A is the Timberwolves refusing to trade Ricky Rubio. Now this is, this is something that puzzles me because the Timberwolves were able to get a steal. I think they had the, the fifth or the sixth pick. And they were able to get um, Chris Dunn, who many thought was a top three talent. And with Zach Levine already on the roster, which I know some people list him as a shooting guard, but he's really a point guard. I just I think with Ricky Rubio, he's older than those guys, and he he doesn't have he's a, we're already at his peak right now. He's not going to get marginally better. I just think that with two young emerging point guards, I think that it doesn't make. It would make more sense to trade Rubio and get what you can for him because you could probably get a good, pretty decent return for Ricky Rubio if you traded him. I think it would make far more sense to deal him now and allow your young point guards to develop while Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins develop as well. And then you have all those guys who are elite at the same time rather than Chris Dunn and Zach Levine not getting as many minutes because you have a... Uh, point guard and Ricky Rubio who's taking the minutes instead when we've already hit his potential ceiling and a couple years ago I know Ricky Rubio was one of the main guys for the Timberwolves but the thing is uh he really isn't a huge part of that team anymore when you get a guy like Chris Dunn and uh you've got Zach Levine on the team um and if you're if you're able to get some trade value out of them I would say do it i mean it's it's a young team you're trying to develop it and i get maybe you're thinking chris dunn is young uh he's a rookie uh maybe he needs uh a veteran to help him out but he really knows what he's doing for the most part i mean he was a senior at providence he's not one of those one and done guys that comes into league after one year in college and i really don't think you need rubio to uh, be there to help develop these guys uh, and if you're able to get something out of them through a trade I feel like that'd probably be the best option for him but I I don't really understand why they're deciding that they really don't want to trade Rubio yeah, and it's not like it's not like a situation where you're just trading a guy to see just to get what you can and get out he actually could get a pretty decent return and you could add to that young core potentially yeah, I think that's going to do it for all the topics that we're going to cover uh, for right now. Uh, we'll do the Q&A after this.
Welcome back to the Double Team Podcast. Uh, you asked us questions on Twitter, and we're here to answer them. So, uh, Jacob, you want to start with the first question? All right, you guys did pretty good giving us questions. First one says, who do you guys think is the most was is or was the most underrated player in this year's free agent class? Uh, my personal opinion uh, was that I felt like I feel like Tyler Johnson uh, for the Heat is a really underrated player. Uh, not a whole lot of people talk about him. Nets actually offered him, I think, a fifty million dollar offer sheet, and you would think that the Heat would just let him go, uh, considering. I mean, he didn't have a huge season last year, but the Heat obviously uh, are investing in him because they matched the offer sheet and they kept him uh, for $50 million. So I feel like he's going to be, they're going to develop him and he's going to turn out to be a really good player in the league. And I feel like they have a lot of faith in him to, I guess, uh, not replace D-Wade, but kind of, uh, I mean, with a legend like D-Wade, it's hard to, fill the shoes of someone like that but i feel i think the heat organization feels like tyler johnson has a good chance to to do well in that role i like johnson a lot too he, he does a lot well he doesn't do anything great but he's a really all-around solid player and he's really athletic mm-hmm. but for me the most underrated player in this class is one that hasn't even signed yet and that's um jr smith who was on the Cavs last year and i think like with Kyrie and LeBron and the whole defeating the 73-9 team in the finals, I think J.R. Smith was really overlooked last year because he, he spaced the floor really well for the Cavs. And he had a really good season, one of his best seasons of his career, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he hit the three on a really consistent basis. And I think without, uh, without J.R. next season, it could be an issue for the Cavs and they can't find a way to re-sign him. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and I think uh, a, a big improvement of J.R. Smith, a lot of criticism in the past besides his antics off the court, which he's gotten rid of a lot of those, besides like obvious, the shirt off thing <laughs> this offseason, yeah. but compared to the stuff in the past, it's really nothing for him. Uh, he also got a lot better as a defensive player, and actually was one of the better perimeter defenders in the league, uh, and usually J.R. Smith would be the one to cover the other team's best perimeter player. And um, that's something he worked on during last year's offseason. I think it made him a really valuable asset to the Cavs this year, and it would hurt a lot if they didn't bring him back this year. Yeah, that's ex- it's going to cost a lot, though. Doesn't he want $15 million or something uh, like that? Something like that, I believe. That would, I mean, but who knows? He, he may actually be worth it, though. I mean, he is getting old, but... He is a really valuable player for them. All right, let's uh, move on to the next question. Is Marcus Smart a lost cause for the Celtics, or could he live up to the potential? Um, well, obviously I'm a Celtics fan. <clears throat> I love the Celtics. Watched every game just about last year. And I really liked the uh, selection of Marcus Smart a couple years ago. I think he was picked sixth overall. Mm-hmm. And he does. he's so aggressive. He's a freak athlete. He's one of the fastest players on the court whenever he's out there. He's strong for his position. Um, he's got good instincts. problem is he doesn't think a lot. He can't shoot the ball, but he takes a lot of threes. And I think that if he can just get that part of his game under control, 
make better decisions. I think he could be a really good player in the league because he's got all the raw to- raw tools that you can't teach. Yeah, and he could, he could dominate on both ends of the floor if he just got the mental side of it down and uh, played smarter. Yeah, I I I agree with you. I I saw him at Oklahoma State when he used to play there, and uh, he he was a really good player for them. I remember thinking that he was a really talented guy. He's probably gonna have a good career in the NBA. Hope to see him turning it around. I think he I think he has a good chance to. Uh, to improve but we'll see how it goes for him all right so the next question is another celtics question what's the deal with jared sullinger why were the celtics so willing to let him go and why do fans hate him well celtics picked him in 2012 i think it was he fell all the way to number 21 where the celtics were and nobody expected him to fall that much but the year before at ohio state he had had some really bad injuries and um, injuries were a huge concern for him coming out of college. And so he fell all the way to 21 of the Celtics. And I remember, like, everyone across the country was like, the Celtics got a huge steal. This guy, if he stays healthy, could be a stud. And early on in his career, he was. He was on those teams the la- um, last few years of the Big Three. And mm-hmm. he was, after Ray Allen left, when uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were together for the last year, he was there too. And he came off the bench and he played really well. Like, he showed a lot of fight and he hustled and he rebound. he was one of the best rebounders on the team as a rookie and I, mean, I remember just thinking that this guy's going to be the franchise cornerstone after Garnett and Pierce are gone and but his weight was always a concern and everybody knew it but he seemed it seemed to not affect him because he was still giving it all on the floor and then Garnett and Pierce left and he was asked to step up and he just couldn't do it he he got um put on even more pounds he promised the team multiple times that he would lose weight, and he only kept gaining weight. And he, he just doesn't seem to care anymore. He like he's so talented. He can rebound. He can score in the post. He just, he's a great. Uh, he's got great natural talent, but he just he doesn't care about the game. He doesn't care about getting in shape and maximizing his potential. And it's a it's a shame because he could be he could be one of the best power forwards in the league. Yeah, he's got the intangibles to do all that. Uh, do you think? that the change of scenery uh, going to Toronto, do you think that'll change anything for him? Uh, I don't think so. I think he's so set in his ways. and he, he's re- When people uh, bring up change and the possibility of getting better, he, he just shuts down and refuses to even consider it. Yeah, we've seen a lot of players like that in the past with just great, raw, natural talent just waste it because... They can't. They just can't be bothered to uh, to use that talent. I mean, you look at a guy like Charles Barkley, who's one of the greatest players we've ever seen. He threatened to transfer from Auburn when he was in college because the coach asked him to lose a few pounds and uh, improve his game a little bit. Because I mean, if Barkley lost weight, he could be even better. But <laughs> yeah, Jared Sullinger, he thinks that. I guess he thinks he's as talented as Barkley was, and he doesn't have to change for anybody. But only way you're getting away with that is if you're a Hall of Fame talent and. Jared Sullinger is just not that. Yeah. I agree. All right. Um, our next question, uh, tweeter asks, who in the East has the best chance to upset the Cavaliers? Um, all right. I'll go with uh, I'll go with two teams here. I think that uh, the Pacers uh, got a lot of talent this offseason, and I think if they stay healthy, Paul George was a beast last year. Uh, I think he'll 
uh, do the same thing. They got Jeff Teague, Al Jefferson, which was a huge get for them. They needed a big. And uh, I think the Pacers will probably have the best chance of knocking off the Cavs. They're my pick to make the conference finals. But uh, as a not really a dark horse, but a team that uh, didn't do very well last year, but did a lot in the offseason and could improve vastly is the New York Knicks. Uh, they got Derrick Rose, uh, Joakim Noah, Courtney Lee in the offseason, adding on to Carmelo and Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, I think if that team gels together and becomes a unit, that uh, they'll actually have a really good chance of doing something in the East and maybe making the conference finals and possibly knocking off the Cavs. Well, you mentioned Al Jefferson. I, I still can't believe how cheap the Pacers got him for. Like with the crazy money that was being thrown out this offseason, didn't Al Jefferson get three years, $30 million? Like that's a ridiculously yeah. cheap contract compared to like Joakim Noah got almost $20 million. Mozgov yeah. got like $20 million. It's It's crazy. I think that was a huge signing for them. Uh, yeah, but I agree. My team to upset, I don't, I'm not actually picking them to upset the Cavs, but I think that the Boston Celtics are the biggest threat to the Cavs after adding Al Horford. When the Celtics were uh, an up-and-coming team last year, got the fifth seed, I believe. Great defensive team, play the team, um, good chemistry. They have the best coach, one of the best coaches in basketball, best play caller, and just you just add... They needed a big man. They got the best big man free agent on the market. And I just I think that they could take that next step this year. And if they got in a series with the Cavs, maybe push it to six or seven games. I know you're a Celtics fan, but I, I do agree that the Celtics are going to be improved from last year. I mean, you look at the team. They got Al Horford in free agency. And you look at it, they're a really young team as well. And they were – I mean, if – you look at it, if Avery Bradley doesn't get hurt, they could win that series, maybe make the conference semifinals, possibly make the conference finals. So, And they have the assets to potentially pull off a big trade either before the season or during the season, and that happens. I think that a Cavs-Celtic series could certainly be interesting. I think that's a possibility, and I do think that the Celtics' uh, stock is on the rise right now. All right, our next, qu- our next question asks, who will have the better career, Ingram or Simmons? That's Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram. Ooh, okay, so I think Ben Simmons is a – I think he'll be a good player in the NBA. Uh, I think that uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a great passer. But the thing about him is he that's all he seems that he wants to do is pass. Uh I don't think he'll be a superstar in the league like a lot of people do. A lot of people hyped him up to be the next LeBron James. I don't see that happening. I like Brandon Ingram a lot as a scorer. And uh, I'd actually say that uh, I would choose Brandon Ingram over Ben Simmons. So would I. I mean, the other day, I think it was yesterday maybe, I saw an article where Kevin Durant, because, you know, Ingram and Durant have been compared a lot because, like, the body frame and the similar scoring style. Yeah. But um, yesterday I saw an article where Kevin Durant said that um, when he came out of Texas versus when Ingram's coming out of Duke now, he says he thinks Ingram is more polished and further along in his development than Durant was when he came out of college. I just think Ingram uh, has the potential just to be a, I don't know, I don't want to call him a generational scorer, but in his prime, I think he could be one of the top scorers in the league. 
Oh, yeah. I think that he's probably one of the best scoring prospects out of the draft in the last, like, five years. Uh, and I think he'll, he's going to be a really, really good player in the league. I'm not saying that Ben Simmons is going to be a bust or he's going to be a horrible player. But uh, I would take Brandon Ingram over Ben Simmons at this point. Yeah, so would I. All right, next question asks, do the Cavs, do the Cleveland Cavaliers have a shot at beating the Warriors or whoever they would meet in the finals if they lose J.R. Smith in free agency? All right, so I think, personally, I think the Cavs get J.R. Smith back. Uh, I think he might have some, I think some teams probably will want him. Honestly, not a whole lot of teams out there, surprisingly, want him. I guess it's his age or his uh, his past antics off the court. But I think even if they don't get him back, uh, I think any team with LeBron James on it, they're going to have a chance to win the title. I think it hurts a lot if J.R. Smith leaves. I think it makes it a lot harder for him as their best three-point shooter and possibly their best perimeter defender. But I will say that uh, I don't think that their title hopes would be completely gone if J.R. Smith left. Yeah, we talked about it earlier, what he added to the team. I mean, he's their best shooter, like you said, best defender. And, um, like, the biggest thing is if they lose him, they don't have the money or assets to go out and get somebody to replace him. I mean, I assume the guy they would start next would be Amon Shumpert, and he doesn't, he can't shoot the ball nearly as well as JR can. And I, I just think that it would create a huge hole. It wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out them, um, I wouldn't rule out their title chances just for losing JR, but I think it, it definitely hurts. Yeah, I think, uh, Iman Shumpert, uh, he's he's a good player, but he's he's very inconsistent. He sometimes will go through slumps where he just doesn't shoot the ball well at all. He's a good defender, but again, I mean, you'd be losing. I remember Iman Shumpert was used to be our best perimeter defender, but uh, Jr. got better over the offseason. Actually, they say he passed Iman as a better defender. Uh, I think if Jr. leaves. Uh, Iman could be the guy who comes in, but I think a guy who uh, did really well in the summer league and is looking like he's going to be a really good player is uh, Jordan McRae. I think he gets a lot more minutes this year, and I feel like he's going to uh, bring something to the team. I mean, he, he really wasn't getting in a whole lot last year as like the 15th man or whatever he was. I feel like he's going to get some minutes this year, and he'll be somewhat productive for him. I like McRae, too. But the thing is, like, he'll get a lot of minutes this year, and I think he could develop into a solid player. But for a team that is in win-now mode with LeBron exiting his prime in the next few years, I think that it's a huge, it's a huge step down from JR. Yeah. All right, next um, tweeter asks, this is interesting, if you, could, if you had to pick one NFL player to bring to an NBA free agent meeting with a superstar player, who would you choose and why? All right, I I would say I feel like J.J. Watt would be a really good player to bring uh, to a free agent meeting because he's got a lot of personality. He's a really funny guy, uh, one of the biggest uh, stars in the NFL, just one of the best players in the NFL. And uh, he's a really likable guy, and I feel like he would relate to a lot of people. And, I mean, I'd love to see J.J. Watt in a uh, meeting if, I, if it were me. So, uh, yeah, that'd be my pick. I have two guys that I'll consider, and the first is Tom Brady, which is fairly obvious. 
I mean, the Celtics brought him to their meeting with Kevin Durant, and Durant said, just like Brady's presence and the way Brady talked about Boston and stuff like that, that Brady had Durant wanting to sign. Like, he was ready to say, let's go. Let's get to Boston. Let's get to work. And I just think the Brady's charisma, personality, the winning, all of that, I think it could be a huge asset in a free agent meeting. And the second guy is one that you might not think of, which is Steve Smith. And Steve Smith is just like, that's the ultimate competitor. He's always going hard. He's so aggressive on and off the field. I just think that kind of personality in a meeting could could be an asset. Do you think Cleveland regrets the Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love trade? I think maybe uh, it could hurt them later on, like five years from now. But uh, like you said, Cleveland's in the win now mode. I feel like Kevin Love was the better option for them uh, for the win now. Uh, I I know Kevin Love didn't uh, quite measure up to some of the expectations they had of him coming into Cleveland. But, I mean, he won a title for him, and he was really, really uh, a big key in that Game 7 win. I think he had, like, only nine points, I think, but he had 14 rebounds or something like that. I mean, that was huge for them. I mean, the Game 7 was only decided by four points. So those 14 rebounds went a long way. And I feel like Kevin Love was a huge part of the title win for the Cavs, as much as flack as he gets. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the Cavs are really regretting that decision since they did just win a title. I think ultimately you're right, but when you trade a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who was a can't-miss prospect, the next NBA superstar, I mean, he was an instant contributor as a rookie, and I think he's going to be a, a star player. But when you trade a guy like that, you expect to get... They didn't get the Kevin Love they expected when they traded Andrew Wiggins for him. Because Kevin Love was... Um, one of the an elite player in the NBA when they traded for him, and since coming to Cleveland, he's kind of fallen off. He hasn't been asked to do as much as he was in Minnesota, but I just think like it's close. Obviously, you still do the trade because you got a title out of it, but I think the Cavs wish that they would have gotten a little bit more for trading such a high prospect yeah. or highly touted prospect. When someone comes to the same team as LeBron James, you look at Chris Bosh. He was a superstar in the league, probably top five player in the league in his prime. Uh, whenever he was with the Raptors. But uh, he came with LeBron James and D-Wade, and he had to take a lesser role. And I feel like uh, whenever you play with LeBron James, you're sacrificing your hopes of winning a title. You're going for that, and you're sacrificing maybe your own statistics and your own production. And uh, I feel like that's really uh a lot of people don't really mention that they feel like kevin love is just like completely dropped off as a player which he may not be quite the player he was for the timberwolves but i think a lot of it goes to the fact that he is playing with lebron james and that's gonna uh lead to a diminished role with the team yeah that's definitely fair all right our last question for today's show asks who wins the who wins an nba finals first the Los Angeles Lakers or the Boston Celtics? Uh, all right. Well, I don't really see either of these teams winning a title in the foreseeable future. Um, I mean, both of these guys have a lot of young talent, but right now I don't see anything that makes me think 
either of these teams are going to win a title in the next couple of years. But if I had to pick one to say this team is going to win a title before the other one, I would go with the Los Angeles Lakers because it is L.A. And you do have all the same, pretty much all the same tradition that you have with Boston, all the titles and stuff. Uh, but you're in the California environment. There's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, a lot of athletes are drawn to California. So I feel like they have the best chance of getting some great players in the future and that possibly leading to a championship. That's fair. I, I like. I definitely like the Lakers going forward with um, D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, guys like that who could develop into stars. But I'm going to argue the other side because I'm a Celtics fan. And right now... The Celtics don't have the young players that can develop into superstars to win a championship in five or ten years. And at the same time, they also don't have the talent, immediate talent, to win now. But with the assets they have, the Celtics could pull off a couple of big trades and potentially leap into contending status. And so that's why I'll go with the Celtics. I think that's a big what if, but if the team can make um, some huge trades or a couple big trades, get some couple star players in here. I definitely think the Celtics could be a contender within the next couple of years. Well, uh, I believe that's the last question for the uh, Q&A and that about wraps up our podcast. So thank you for listening to the Double Team Podcast with Britton Webster and Jacob Young and hope to see you next week. Make sure, wherever you're listening to, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore double team. If you're watching it on YouTube, make sure you subscribe there. Uh, It's only getting better. First episode. Uh, We hope to see you back next week.